Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. As I was preparing this week for you know where I was going to go, I, I kind of shifted gears a little bit. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine, and we started talking about the will of God. How many have ever heard of that term, the will of God for our lives? I want to talk about God's will for your life. And I'm hoping that maybe today you can grasp onto what this really means. I believe that every service, there's an opportunity and chance for us to receive from the scripture, to receive from the word of God, who, by the way, is Jesus, to receive from the Holy Spirit something that will bring freedom into our lives. How many know when you have freedom, and it's unfortunate, and we here in church, freedom, the first thing we do is, is we think freedom to sin. But it's freedom from sin. It's freedom to be who you truly are. Because when you walk around and you're getting in crazy stuff and you're falling short, that's not who you really are. Who you really are is a child of God. You're righteous at the core. You're pleasing, you're acceptable, you're holy. That means you're set apart. You're different than maybe how everyone else does it. Maybe instead of getting retribution, you look for restoration in life. Instead of sharing fear and hate, you share love and grace in this world. And so it's a different way to live. But I want to talk about this idea. How are we approaching the idea of God's perfect will? Have you heard of that before, God's perfect will? How many would say, I want to be in God's perfect will? I think most of us, uh, those who would call ourselves Jesus followers, would say, you know, I want to be in God's perfect will. But is it a matter of picking the right spouse, the right house, the right job, the right school? Is, Is that what being in God's perfect will is? How many have heard of this? Well, it may not be God's perfect will, but maybe it's his permissive will. These aren't even things that are in scriptures, but we come up with terms and we we come up with categories of what it is. Uh, Have you heard this one? You're either in the perfect will, that's the bullseye, or the permissive will, it's like, okay, he's okay with it. But what's the next realm? It's the outer ring of darkness. Like, we we don't know where we're going, what's going on, is God okay with me? Let me tell you today, God is okay with you. But I want to talk about what that means today to be in God's perfect will, because I think it's important that we see this. Now, as I was kind of studying and praying about this, I was thinking about 1 Corinthians chapter 13. How many are familiar with this, this passage of scripture? It's called the love chapter, uh, verses 4 through 7, the first part of 8. But there's this portion in there where it says, love does not seek its own. Say that with me. Seek its own. Now think about this idea of seeking your own. It's to seek further the profit or advantage of oneself. Now, how many know this, that God is love? The Apostle John says that God is two things. He's both light and he's love. So really what this is saying, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's describing the character of God, which I believe as we become closer to our Heavenly Father and understand that heart of love he has, we start to become more like him, seeing that he's already created us in his image and his likeness as his image bearer. But think about this. That means that God does not seek his own. God does not seek his own. I believe that God is actually open to you making choices on your own. It's really quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning. I really believe that God wants you to make a choice. Look what the apostle says here in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. He says, discover God himself as your inexhaustible inner source. Now stop there for a second. Think about that. 
He's saying in this journey of life, part of what we do is we're learning, we're discovering what God is like. And we're discovering that he is this inexhaustible inner source. I've said this before, but the word father. Think about when Jesus came and the disciples said, how do we pray? And he says, we start like this, our father who art in heaven. Now, this wasn't something that the Jews at the time were used to. And so that word father in the Greek actually means source. So whenever you say heavenly father, you're saying heavenly source, the source of my life. And Paul is encouraging us to discover God himself as your inexhaustible inner source. Why? Look at this. He ignites you with both the desire and the energy that matches his own delight. Wow. Say wow. Say it backwards. Good job. Think about that. When you discover this inexhaustible inner source, he ignites you with both the desire and the energy that matches his own delight. In other words, his desires become your desires. And you notice how it's not forced upon you? Because love does not force itself on anyone. So it's this relationship. Why is it important to read the scripture? Why is it important to spend time with God? Because you get to know who he is. You know, when I married my wife, you know, we stood at an altar and actually we just stood in an office, at a pastor's office. We were like, let's get this done now, right? We knew what we wanted. But when we got married, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that my wife gave 100% of herself to me. But you know, it's been a 17-year journey and I'm still discovering more and more of that 100% for myself. Right? She gave herself to me completely, but it takes time in this journey. And as we journey together, guess what happens? I trust her more. We can say it like this, I have more faith in her love towards me. That's why it's so important that we have relationship with God, but we, we engage with that because we start to see how God really is. By the way, Jesus came to show us who God really was, right? Who he really is. This is important to see. A lot of people were getting it wrong, and Jesus came to show the Father's heart. And so as we discover the Father's heart, what happens? We begin to trust him more. We begin to have more faith in his love towards us. And he begins to change us from the inside out. It's a beautiful relationship, but we can see that. So in the kingdom, love motivates our life choices. Think about that. In the kingdom, this is how our choices are made. Love is the motivation behind life's choices. But we can see here that God is not self-seeking. He doesn't force his will on us. He actually gave us free will. Guess why? So we could use it. It's so important. We see this, that we actually have free will, and we can use that free will. I think sometimes we get scared. We're like, I'm not sure. I, I don't know what I should do. I, I don't know how I should do this. I think about my relationship with my children. You know, when children are young, there's more parameters, right? You set some, some um, you know, boundaries up so they understand life. And, and how many know that discipline is not punishing them for their past? It's training them for their future. Now, I've been guilty of punishment. You embarrassed me. You know, you shouldn't have done that. But, but I've learned more and more by seeing God's discipline in my life that it's more his love that is training me for my future. And so that's really what discipline is, right? But, but as they grow... As parents, we need to learn how to what? Hold on loosely, but don't let it go. Some are going, oh, I hear that song in my head now. But it's the truth. Hold on loosely, 
but don't let go. And with some of my children, I had to learn how to do this. So it's trusting that they will make better decisions, but you have to allow them to make their decisions on their own. I think about uh, times when we go to the restaurant, and my smaller kids, I love, I love the kids' menu, first of all, because it's cheap. <laughs> Secondly, there's not many choices, so we have to be there a long time trying to figure out what we're going to have to eat. But you know, then they hit 8, 9, and 10, you're like, oh, darn it, they can't order off the, the menu anymore. But you know when they're there, have you ever had that experience where you're sitting there and they're looking at it, they're like, okay, there's, you know, what's, what's the basics? Hot dog, hamburger, and chicken fingers. Yeah. Oh, mac and cheese. Yeah, my granddaughter, she's like mac and cheese, mac and cheese. <laughs> but they have these three or four choices. And have you ever had one of your kids say, uh, daddy, daddy, I, I, don't, I don't know what to get. What should I get? And usually I'm like, I don't know, just pick one. I mean, they're all fine choices. I mean, it's Gordon Food Service, but I'm saying they're all fine enough choices that you can eat and get some type of sustenance from it. Just pick one. But I don't know what to get. Just pick, okay. And then you do this. Sometimes there's pizza. We'll get pizza. But I wanted a burger. Then why didn't you just choose the hamburger? Why are you asking me? But I think sometimes in life we have this menu of options, this menu of choices that we can make for our life. And it's like sometimes we get in so much fear because we want to make sure we don't make the wrong decision. You know, we, we pray and we fast. And guess, guess what? Nothing wrong with praying and fasting. I think some of us need to pray and fast. Why do we do that? It's not to get God to move. God's already moved on our behalf. It's to get us focused on him and hearing his voice. Because the scriptures tell us it's a still, small voice. He's not screaming and yelling at you. So it's important that we have those times maybe to just put everything aside, to fast some things, to pray. But sometimes we get so caught up in that decision, am I in the perfect will or not, that we don't even make a choice. And sometimes it's like we're there, we're looking at the kid's menu and God's saying, just make a choice, just make a decision. What do you want? Do you want chicken fingers for your life or hot dogs? Just pick something. I know that's not over spiritual, but I'm trying to bring it down to a place where we can see that I really truly believe that God wants us to make decisions for our life. But there's a way that we can base those decisions. But here's the problem is that religion or sometimes legalism has crept in. It's presented God as caring only about his own will and thinking nothing of our own. Like he pushes us down to glorify himself. One of the scriptures that totally radically changed this view in my life is when Jesus said, Father, the glory that you've given me, I now give to them. Have you ever saw, looked in the mirror and said, God gave me glory? Whew. I'm a child of God? He trusts me to bear his image and likeness? See, when we tell ourselves things like this, It'll change how you act, how you walk, how you speak, how you respond to people. Now, trust me, I don't have this perfectly down. I have days where I forget who I am. Without a show of hands, how many can say amen to that? So it's not walking perfectly, but it's perfectly walking in him, saying, God, I am perfect in you. This is how you see me. I was talking to a brother the other day, and I said, I just realized as a pastor my one goal of doing this is to get people to see who they truly are and who God sees them as. Because when you do, it changes everything. 
I don't have to manage people's sin. I don't have to, you know, brother, if you were just this and that and, and point fingers. And I can actually share with you how awesome this relationship with us, how much God loves you, that he's in you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's always for your best interest. And suddenly you go, wow, I'm a child of God. And you walk differently. You make different decisions. You're like, you know, the grass looks greener on the other side, but it really isn't. It's just, it's a lie. It's not true. And so you start to walk and function in who you really are. But the problem is many Christians have become terrified of things as simple as making a life choice. What if that choice will not be God's choice? As though they believe that whenever they're faced with the menu of options, there's only one that is in God's will and all the others are not. Some people, again, will pray and fast and try and there's nothing wrong with that. But we're so scared to make a decision because what if I make the wrong choice? And so we'll do this whether it's a spouse. I mean, I grew up, I would hear people say stuff like, God made just one person on the entire planet for you. And I'm like, well, I hope I find them. But maybe there's dozens that could work with you. There might have only been one for me because I'm a pretty hard nut to crack. But what I'm saying is maybe there's more than one choice. No, you can't have 10 wives. I'm saying maybe there's more than one choice and you choose one. You know, uh, maybe, maybe you're, you want to be a nurse and there's these three schools that have said, hey, we want to accept you. And you're like, I don't know which one. I don't know which one. Well, maybe you just talk it through. Well, this one could work out. It's close to home. Uh, they actually teach more on this. You know what? I'll make that decision. You know what? God's okay with it. He's like, good job. Good choice. You had three schools and you picked one. Good job. Because some people won't pick one. Then they don't go to school and then they lost 10 years of their life because they didn't want to mess up and they didn't want to screw up. But I really believe that God has given us free will so we can make decisions for ourselves. You know, Kristen and I, we, we had children because they made us happy. I mean, honestly, we, we, we had this loving relationship and we wanted to share it with someone else. And I know you have those bad days. You have those days where you're like, wow, is it, is it illegal to take them out? I don't know. <laughs> but then you get over that and then you walk in love and you go, oh my gosh, it's like the best thing in the world, right? But we had children just for the sheer joy and happiness of having children and having relationship with someone. I mean, think about that. True parental happiness is delighting in that child, what they do, what they say, seeing them grow, seeing them mature. And I love that Jesus introduced God as a father to us. You know, he delights in seeing you grow, mature, what you say, what you do, as you learn, as you go through this journey of life, he's right there with you saying, come on, we can do it. Nope, nope, not a good choice. Let's, let's move over here. We got a better way to go in life. But he delights in you. He delights in me. And he's saying, make a choice. You have this menu of options. Now I get it. There are some times in life where there's only one choice and there's one choice only and we're not sure. And you might have to get away, get in his presence, pray, just get everything you know, out of the way and say, God, I, I really need wisdom in this area. And those times happen. I get that. I told a story once of I was jumping in my truck and, and I turned the ignition on. I was getting ready to put it in reverse and pull out. I had to run up to the hardware store or something really quick. And at that time, I didn't have a backup camera. So I was about ready to go and just something deep inside me said, stop. I'm like, why am I stopping? I have to go. Like, I got stuff to do. And so I went to put 
you know, in, in to reverse again, and something deep inside me said, stop. I'm like, this, this is weird. Like, it didn't make sense, right? And then all I thought was to get out and look around the back of my truck. So I get out and walk around, and there's my little, I think, four-year-old son at the time just playing behind my truck. I thought, wow. I'm so glad that I heard the voice of the Spirit at that moment. God, we don't even want to think of the ramifications of not listening there. So sometimes, yes, there's moments in time where I believe God comes in and he'll seize your heart at that moment, that time. Today we're talking about when you have this menu of options to choose from, we get in fear, am I making the right choice? Instead of looking things over and just making a decision. And guess what? Sometimes the decision might be wrong. But praise God that he works all things together for the good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Listen, he'll work it in. But stop being afraid, wondering if you're in the perfect will of God or not. Is God's will more about the choices we make or about the life he has chosen to give us through Christ? Because it's out of this life that he has given us that we make good choices in our life. So here's the questions. What is God's will and how do I find it? Now, you're following along so far this morning that it's okay to make choices. It's okay to make decisions on your own. But let's find out what is the will of God because that, yes, does help us make those choices and decisions. I love what Paul says in Acts chapter 20. Let's start in verse 24. This is Paul talking about his life. He says, what matters most to me is to finish what God started. The job the master Jesus gave me of letting everyone I meet know all about this incredibly extravagant generosity of God. That's grace. Say grace. Now think about this. What matters most is he finishes the job. What's the job? To tell you about the grace of God. How extravagant his generosity is towards you. He goes on to say, and so this is goodbye. You're not going to see me again, nor I you, you whom I have gone among for so long, proclaiming the news of God's inaugurated kingdom, because he was getting ready to die soon. He says, I've done my best for you, given you my all, but listen to this, held back nothing of God's will for you. Now, you'll probably think, wow, Pastor Andy's so smart. How does he know what God's will is? It's called a concordance. Just look up will. There's scripture after scripture. You know what God's will is? Look up all the scriptures that say what God's will is. This is really cool. And it says nothing about spouses and houses and jobs and schools. I couldn't find it anywhere. But we're going somewhere with this. Paul cared for nothing more than sharing with everyone he came into contact with of the extravagant generosity of the Father, the grace of God. This was God's will for us, that we know the extravagant generosity of the Father, his grace towards us. Now think about that. That's his will, that you know who I am and my grace towards you. The Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians that God's will is to rescue us. He also says, God's will is to bring unity between all men through Christ. Romans 12, 2, we love that scripture here. We're transformed by the renewing of our mind, which in turn produces the proof or the fruit of his will. Think about this. This is God's will. You're looking for God's will? It's right here. And there's a few more that I want to look at today. Number one, God's will is for you to be loved and in turn love others. 
You're like, wait a minute, I, I was just trying to figure out what school to go to. No, look at His will is to be loved and in turn love others. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, imitate God like dearly, what? Loved children. I love how he starts this out. He says, first and foremost, I want you to know that you are dearly loved children. And then he says, live your life with love. Following the example of Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. Look at this. He was a sacrificial offering that smelled sweet to God. God's will for us is to imitate him like dearly loved children. And then in turn, what do we do? We live life full of love. And we love others. I know we're the love church. We talk about love all the time. But I'm telling you, the very foundation of creation, not just Christianity, the very foundation of creation is built on love. Think about the creation story, the creation poem in Genesis. God created simply because he enjoyed creating. It was joy and it was love that compelled him to not just make creation, but to make you and me. I mean, that's beautiful. The Trinity, the beginning of time, this, this three-in-one relationship of love created us right in the very center of that love relationship. And guess what? It's never changed. Just because Adam was deceived and changed his mind, that was first Adam. Last Adam, Jesus came to show us the truth of who we really were. We had forgotten our identity. We completely lost our identity in first Adam. And last Adam, Jesus came to show us who we truly are. It's amazing. It's this love relationship. So number one, to be loved and in turn love others. Number two, God's will is for us to conduct our lives in his love, that we're governed by his love. The Mirror Bible says it like this in 1 Peter 2.15. It says, God desires that your good conduct would silence those foolish people who see you as a threat to society. Do you realize that your love relationship, how you walk, how you talk, what you do, inspired by him, will actually quiet people down? The church is really good at giving the world ammunition by, I've said this many times, put the picket signs down. Put them down. It's not doing any good, people. First of all, if you're trying to bring fear into people's hearts, then the gospel's not present, because guess what? God is love. There's no fear in love. The kindness of the Lord brings us, draws us, leads us to repentance. What is repentance? It's not groveling at, at an altar. It's changing your mind. God is trying to, through his kindness, to change your mind about him and about yourself and awaken you to who you truly are. But many of us don't see it, and we get crazy. So we go on social media, and we just spew hatred. I'm just, I'm just telling the truth. Yes, you're supposed to speak the truth in love. Where's the love? And we get afraid. We're like, well, if we love them too much, what's, well, what's going to happen? It might change them. It might change them. So put the signs down. Maybe take a break from social media. Learn what it means to sit down with people of different lifestyles, from different backgrounds, and get into the life. Let them speak. Let them talk. Empathize with them. You don't have to change your value system just because they have a different one. But maybe you'll hear where they came from and their story. And suddenly the Holy Spirit will inspire you to say things in love that start to change their heart. I have friends who were atheists who aren't anymore. And it wasn't because I gave them fear and said, brother, if you died tonight, 
It's because I loved them right where they were. And I said, this is how God sees you. This is how much he cares about you. This is his goodness towards you. And they're like, what? What? And eventually they're like, okay, maybe there's something to this God thing. But what did I have to do? I had to develop a relationship with people. A lot of us say, don't hang out with those people, man. Let's close ourselves inside the four walls of the church. Be careful. Don't go into the world. We need to get away from the world. And Jesus prayed that the disciples would stay in the world. Hmm. I'm going to go with what Jesus said. Just because you're in the world doesn't mean you have to act like it. They're actually looking for someone who acts a little different. And I'm not talking about weird, religious, and holier than thou. Someone who walks in peace, joy, and right relationship. That's the kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Someone who actually has grace and love. Because there's not a lot to go around, folks. And sometimes, unfortunately, those who don't say they follow Jesus are loving better than we do. And I have a problem with that. The creator lives on the inside of us. Love lives on the inside of us. And some of us don't know how to let that out. I'm not trying to put anyone down. You know my heart, right? Those of you who go here. I'm just saying, why don't we let God out? Why don't we let that salvation that was worked in work out, that healing, preservation, that safety, that deliverance, that wholeness, that restoration? That's what salvation means. Why don't we allow that to work its way out, to heal us and then in turn heal others, to love us and then in turn love others? So is our conduct governed by love. He goes on to say, yes, you are free from man-made rules and institutions to govern your behavior, but do not use your freedom in a way, look at this, that others may read it as a disguise for an evil agenda. But look at this, you are God-governed where love rules. Love should rule our life. Number three, live for his desires. Live for his desires. I think it's important that we live for his desires, but the apostle Peter tells us this in 1 Peter chapter 4, starting with verse 1. He said, since Jesus went through everything you're going through and more, look at this, learn to think like him. Think of your sufferings as a weaning from that old sinful habit of always expecting to get your own way. Now look at this. He says, then you'll be able to live out your days free to pursue. Now I love this. You're free to pursue, right? But pursue what? What God wants instead of being tyrannized by what you want. Man, I just love it. It's, it's beautiful how Eugene Peterson puts it here in this translation. He's saying, listen, if you can get to a place where you start to think like Christ, you will actually be able to live out your days free to pursue what God wants instead of being tyrannized by what you want. That word tyrannized means ruled or treated cruelly. See, how many of you have experienced this? Something looks really good, and you really want to do it, so you do it. And all of a sudden, you really suffer for it. Like, it's cruel. The payback is cruel. How many know sin has consequences? That's why God doesn't like sin. That's why he hates sin. He doesn't hate people. He hates sin because of what it does to us. Think about that for a minute. And so the way to think like Christ is to say, you know what, I'm going to go a different way. I'm going to realize that what God wants is better for me than this way that I want to go. It's a new life with new desires, no longer living for my own lusts, for my own flesh. Listen, and it's grace that teaches us to say no. 
But think about that. You know, whenever you go off the rails and whenever you sin, I, I found this to be true, it means you're not walking in love. That's why love's so important. When you love yourself enough to not give in to that, you're walking in love. When you love people and you want to benefit them at the expense of yourself, guess what? You're not going to do what you used to do. So this is how this works. So it's so important for us to see that we want to live for his desires. And what's so cool is what happens is you hang out with God and you have this relationship with him. I said this before, but love isn't forceful. But love is compelling. Love is fierce in a good way. Love moves your heart. Uh, you know, God is love and light. Light exposes things. There's certain areas of my life that maybe I didn't see, and then all of a sudden I allow God into those spaces and those places, and light starts to expose things, but not to shame me. It brings them to the light so then I can see the truth, and then I can be healed in those areas and go a different way. That's repentance, right? Metanoia, to change your mind. And you get healed and you move on. But it's important that we see this. That God loves us. He cares for us. And that's the reason he will show that. But it's not just light. It's love. And love compels you. It moves you to go a different direction. And let me say this. Some of us do what we do because we don't even love ourselves. Whatever they may be. Whatever that thing is that you're doing that's hurting you physically or emotionally. Sometimes we do it because we don't even have love for ourselves. Because we can't see who we are through the eyes of God. That's why relationship with God is so important. As we see ourselves for who we truly are, we begin to love ourselves. You know, Jesus said to love your neighbor as yourself. How do you love your neighbor when you can't love yourself? And then he summed everything up in one command. He says, love others as I have loved you. Pastor, there's a lot of love here today. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what we talk about at Faith City. It was called Love City. Because that's what we talk about. Everything, that might not go over well, everything is built on love in the kingdom. You see this. So do you notice how this all is done because of and through Jesus Christ, through what he did for us to awaken us to who we are, to sacrifice himself on that cross, to show us what it looks like to live a self-giving, self-sacrificing life. Jesus even said it. He says, if you really love someone, you'll give your life up for them. That's how love is displayed. And what did he do? He displayed that to us. But through the resurrection, we now can have brand new life in and through him. So in general, we have choices, and, and God desires for us to choose for ourselves according to the desires that he has put in us. Think about this. If we bring all of our choices and all of our decisions under the jurisdiction of his will, we can't go wrong. And what do we see summed up in his will? His love, his grace, his ability and his desire to rescue us. His, his desire to have us transformed by the renewing of our mind? Do you see this? Do you see why understanding his will is important for your choices? But it's not so much about, did I make the right choice? Am I okay? I gotta be in the perfect will. And there's that bullseye. You've, you've seen, right? You've seen the illustrations, the bullseye and the outer rings and the further out you get, uh-oh, what's gonna happen? How about there's a menu of options and if you run everything through the lens of relationship with God, everything through the lens of love, You'll make good decisions. That's awesome. And I believe he's looking over going, good job, son. Good job, daughter. Good decision. And I'm here with you to get you through this. 
So does that potential spouse, that house, that job change, will that keep you in his will? Does that make more sense now? When you make that decision, think about it. Will that take me out of a life of living and loving well? Or will it keep me in that flow of living and loving well? I know it seems so simple, doesn't it? But don't overthink it. Look at the options. Look at the menu and say, will this keep me in God's will? Will this keep me loving people well, loving God well, fulfilling the purpose he's called me to? You getting something out of this? In a nutshell, the will of God is love lived well. I told you earlier, my, my buddy, pastor friend, Pastor Jake, how many know Pastor Jake Stringer? He was here about a year ago. I'd like to have him back in. He's from Kentucky. And we just got talking one day, and, and we were talking about this idea of will. And he had this story. I thought it was so cool. He said that, imagine that you, know, you have a son who wants to go to Best Buy because there's an electronic, let's just say a Blu-ray player that he really wants to get. I know we stream everything, but just go with me. He wants his Blu-ray player. And so you give him the keys, and you say, here's the keys of the car. Go ahead and do it. Well, about 10 minutes later, you get this call, and your son is like, Dad, Dad, man, I'm kind of freaking out. What's wrong? There's like four ways to get the Best Buy. Okay. Which way do I go? Dad, please tell me which way. I don't know. I mean, all those roads that get you the Best Buy, just pick one. But Dad, I don't know which way to go. Just pick one. Okay, I'll, I'll go the southern route. Okay, that's cool. And then a little bit later, you get a call. He's in Best Buy. He's like, oh, my gosh, Dad. I'm here. I'm going to get my Blu-ray player. That's cool, son. You're going to enjoy it. Yeah, but there's like 10 brands. Okay. What, tell me which one to get, please. I don't want to have to make this decision because I don't want to make the wrong decision, Dad. I want you to be pleased with the Blu-ray player that I get. Do you want a Sony? Do you want a Toshiba? Do they make Toshibas anymore? Do you want a Sylvania? Do they make that anymore? I don't know. And, and the father says, just pick one. It's not that big of a deal. Will you enjoy it? Come on, somebody. Sometimes we take that joy right out of life. And God's saying, will you enjoy this? And we're like, I will, so I'm not going to choose it, Lord. I want to be humble. God created you for joy of relationship. Now listen, I think we're mature enough in here to go, yeah, I got some good desires. It's like, okay, well, those aren't God's desires. I'm talking about when it comes to choices, sometimes those things, you just look at them and go, you know what? I think this could be a best fit for me and my family, so we're going to go ahead and do this. And I believe God's pleased and says, well done. Now I'm with you in that process. Do you get this this morning? That it's more about his will of living and loving well than anything else. If you, if you use love as a litmus test for any decision you make, most of the time, it'll be the right decision because it's based on love. The will of God is about the fruit, the wisdom, the life. It's Christ manifest through and in our lives. So let me say this this morning. Start making choices. Start making decisions. But hold them up to his will for you to walk out love in every situation. Because again, some are deathly afraid of making the wrong decision because they think, if I make the wrong decision right here, right now, maybe that'll set back my life by five years. Maybe I'll lose 10 years of my life. But I'm here to say this. Some people, because they don't make the decision, have lost five and 10 or more years of their life because they're scared, they're afraid to make a choice. And it's just like the kid's menu. You want a hot dog, you want a hamburger, or chicken fingers and throw in some pizza to boot. Make a choice. How many received that this morning? 
How many would say that maybe, uh, without a show of hands, that maybe there's some areas of your life that you weren't sure where to go, there's many options, and you're realizing this morning that it's simply making a choice out of this love relationship that you have with God. How is it affecting you, and how is it affecting others? Amen. Will you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you first of all for your goodness. We thank you for your grace towards us. I pray this morning that hearts have not just been challenged, but that freedom has been released. Maybe for some of us, we were just in a place where we just could not make a decision because we were afraid. Sometimes it wasn't just afraid of what you think, it's afraid of what other people may think. And I pray that as we look at that menu of options before us, that we would let love be the litmus test of that choice. Love be the litmus test of that decision. They would stop allowing fear and worry and anxiety because of bad theology, because of bad teaching or bad ideas to cause us to not make a choice. But we would realize that just as we as parents, for many of us, we desire for our children to make choices. We delight in that and we delight in seeing those good choices that bring success in their life. And that's how you are with us. Just place your hand on your heart and repeat this after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace toward me. I pray for those decisions, those choices that I have to make. I realize today that your perfect will is love lived well. And so by act of my will, today I will choose that right way to go. I say no to fear. I say no to worry. I say no to anxiety. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're with me, you speak to me, and you lead me. Thank you, Father. Just bless your people, Holy Spirit. Bless your people. I just pray for healing in people's bodies this morning, for healing in emotions this morning, people who have not seen themselves clearly, that they would see themselves as beloved children made in the image and likeness of their Father, and in turn, they would walk that out in life and realize, I am somebody. I'm not a nobody. I am somebody, and I thank you for who you made me to be, and I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are showing me, revealing to me more and more what my place is in this kingdom and beyond all. It's good and it's love. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, 
We pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.